Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Everybody, welcome back to today's episode of Conflicts, the podcast. We have missed you, and we've missed each other. Hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm glad to finally get to see Lulu. It's yeah. been, a, been a minute. We've because uh, this this whole this this little hiccup happened in the world yeah, called a global pandemic. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny how it changes uh, some day to day life and makes simple things as podcasting difficult. Although you know, I find it ironic because a lot of podcasts don't get together. Like they're, they're very That's remote. True. They uh, like Skype or whatever. Yeah. There's various different techniques and I've actually been involved in a few that have done that recently. Um, so they, it's very common, but we've always liked getting together mostly because I think we started as friends. Plus there is something to be said in my opinion, at least of uh, being able to see each other and react yeah, and feel that back and forth of like mm-hmm. when we got real mad that one time about star Wars or like when we like to team up against whoever else is here with us because they're clearly wrong. It's just more fun in person. And, you know, here's a, a, I'll give you a funny little production aside that, you know, especially with a, something like conflicts where sometimes we very passionately disagree. Oh yeah. Right. You know, sometimes we we're, we're full on, uh, you know, we're arguing this out. Okay. And that's great. But you know, when people argue, it's hard to wait your turn. It's hard to not, you know, people end up with talking over each other Uh and getting that crosstalk. And one of the ways that we're able to avoid that is since we can see each other, we kind of know, and you know, you you give like a visual handoff. Uh, you know, that sounds dirtier than I meant it. Um, that, that, you know, there, but there's just like a cue where you can see, okay, I'm done now. And the other and person this person's jumping in. at the bit. I'm yeah. like, I have something I need to you, say you now. You can just see him kind of vibrating, getting ready to go. And you're like, okay, I got to let him talk in a second. So, uh, you know, there's something to be said for having that dynamic. And I think that's where the, why we always prefer to, to, to do this in the same location. Yeah. And we are back together now. Finally. And we hope that you have all stayed safe and sane through this whole social distancing, quarantine, pandemic fiasco that has been 2020. It's been a lot. It, and it's, it's only May. Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a long year already. So it really has. March went on six, seven months, you know. What's the um April was four or five? What's the meme where they're like, oh, what a week? And like, it, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's how that's, I feel about this it. year. I had four Zoom meetings on Friday. I'm really, I'm, I'm glad to be around a human, Rich, and I'm glad it's you. I'm glad I qualify. <laughs> I'm... There was a while there I wasn't sure I was human anymore, but hey, I'm alive. I didn't and so go, were you. Yeah, I, you know, I tried to keep my routine. I left my alarms on. I tried to get up every morning. The one area in which I probably was really very lax in, because I, I was able to work from home uh, throughout the entirety of it. And like, I had some pretty good beardage going on for a while there, uh, you know, cause normally I try to stay fairly, you know, clean, clean shaven. shaven. Yeah. And, uh, there was like at one point, I think I went two weeks without ever even looking at a razor <laughs> and my, my, I, I don't do well with, you know, some people have a really good natural, easy beard and I don't, it's part of the reason why I go, uh, clean shaven. I pretty much go straight to like Ted Kaczynski Oh. and it's not even like a good, it's like scraggly. Yeah. T- yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. So, 
Uh, there was a couple so, days. So you had serial killer beard there for a minute. Yeah, for a while. Like, you know, to the point where there's even, uh, my wife was like, hey, um, <laughs> you going to take care of that? Cause you, I have to look at it. She's like, you're, you're not out of razors or anything. Are you? And I'm like that bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I woke up one morning and had three jelly donuts, an entire bottle of wine at eight 30 in the morning. Oh, that's okay. how, that's how quarantine was for me. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been good for me on, um, you know, the, the, as far as food, I mean, it's been great. I've had a lot of great food, but you know, I love to cook and bake. Yeah. So leaving at home with the opportunity to cook and bake. And I I've done a lot of it. I think that 2020, the first half of 2020 is just a blank spot in everybody's fitness journey. And we're all allowed to look however we look right now and be fine with it. Even my cat gained some quarantine Ooh, weight. My yeah. cat gained like two pounds. I'm like, please don't die. You're already super fat. Yeah. Our, we got a chubby cat. She, I love your cat. You know, I, you know, you can have her. Um, <laughs> you know, she's okay, but like, she likes me. She, she likes our son. Like that's really his cat and the rest of us she tolerates. That's how cats generally are. Yeah. You know, I don't think my cat likes anybody but me. And I'm, I'm more of a dog guy anyway, but I, I mean, I do like cats and I, you know, I'm glad she's around, but, but she's not my best bud by, by any means. I actually have like a, so our neighbors, like our Neighborhood is laid out a little weird if you were to actually look at it. From one side, it looks like a standard neighborhood, just you know, a row of mm-hmm. houses. But there are actually a couple of houses that have yards that go back in between the houses. Oh, that's weird. I so, never noticed that. It's always dark when I'm at your house, though. Yeah, so if you were like, actually going to our backyard, uh, which I got a lot of work done on, so some uh, it looks very different already. I expect a luau later. Um, well, they're, they're, they're being planned. Uh, but so our yard actually butts up to a yard that goes off. 90 degrees from us. And then the other side of that yard, there you're looking at the backyards from the other street. So there are a couple of yards that go like mm-hmm. in between the houses, like where an alley would be. These are actually some very, very big yards in there. So we're like on the edge of town and this used to be, actually our neighbors used to own all of it. They had an 80 acre horse farm out there when they were, Jeez. they were young and they're very old now and they sold it all off and built houses. And um, so anyway, there's a big, uh, it's probably like four acres that they have right behind our house and they have, they got puppies. So they decided to build uh, a new uh, big dog run area for them back there, which butts up against. What kind our... of puppies? Um, they're a mix. Biggest, smallish. Yeah, um, uh, they're they're good medium size. Okay. They, they have some. Um, looks to me like some boxer and pit bull in them. Ooh, pretty. Um, yeah, no, they're they're nice dogs, but like so. Uh, so our fence line now butts up against what is basically this giant dog pen, and that's where the puppies are. So I made friends with the puppies and the mama. Naturally. Um, so now every time I go in the yard, they all come over to the fence and want, and they're like, Hey, it's that guy. Yeah. We like that guy. They, they, they want the head scratches and they, you know, they, uh, you know, the, the attention and love and, and as much as I think it's great, it's like a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. So cause now, you want the puppy, but then you remember that's a puppy. They're a lot oh, of work. Yeah. It's, it's much more fun when there's somebody else's puppy and you yeah. can just go out and pet on them. That's the reason I don't have kids. I have a niece and a nephew. They're not mine. Yeah, well, they get sick. I don't have to deal with that. We have, we we had a puppy, uh, and she was ours. Sixteen years old, finally passed away here, uh, not that long ago. She was with the kids when they were little. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was our third child, and ever since she left, we we yeah we haven't been we haven't been able to replace. Her. I think uh, my dog, he's eleven now, but he's a he's probably not going to live too much longer. He's just you can tell he's winding down, mm-hmm. and I I don't think I'll be able to replace that one. I think I'm going to be dogless for a while after he goes. Yeah, that's where we're at. I can't say it'll stay that way forever, but for now, 
Um, hey, there's nothing like an upper and talking about your dog's passing. Yeah, no, hey. This, that uh, seems like the perfect segue to talk about Star Trek yeah, Picard. There you go. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's bring this back up a little bit. Uh, dead puppies aren't much fun. <laughs> well, as I said, today we are covering Star Trek Picard, which was released January 23rd, 2020, ran for 10 episodes, starring Patrick Stewart, Issa Briones, Michelle Hurd, Santiago Cabrera. A brief synopsis set two decades. After the close of Star Trek Nemesis, the series finds the titular character, now a retired admiral, seemingly living a quiet existence on the family vineyard. But a closer look finds Jean-Luc Picard is still deeply affected by the death of Lieutenant Commander Data, is handling the fallout from the destruction of Romulus, and ends up on an unexpected journey in assistance of someone truly unexpected. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, I think we should have the caveat in here that uh, anybody who knows us knows that Lulu and I are huge Star Trek fans. Yeah. So there was probably nothing in our lives in a very long time that we anticipated more greatly than this show. Yeah. Like I, the first, like the day that the trailer hit, I was at the gym and it came across my like uh, Instagram feed and I sat on one of the machines at the gym watching this trailer and then texted Rich and I was like, I cried at the gym. (laughs) Yeah, I, mean, I did. It, it's hard to describe how much something like this was exciting and important to us. So we really need to make sure that that's out there. This is there's no way this can be a normal review for us. Yeah, because there is a lot of I mean, even our, our childhoods invested in this. Uh, a lot of our uh, creative inspirations, uh, you know, a are, lot of go who we to, are as people. Yeah, it all roots back to Star Trek so much. So then to have something like this come out, like there, there is just so much. Uh, rolled up in that, that I think we have to just acknowledge that from the beginning. Yeah, we're going to nerd out hard, guys. <laughs> and for that, I'd like to say I apologize, but I don't. So buckle your seatbelts and ride along with us. Um, oh, I found out a couple things about this show. Did you know that Issa Briones got her start on Broadway as one of the Schuyler sisters in a traveling company of Hamilton? She was Peggy. I did not know that. Yeah, huh. and the the song Blue Skies that weaves throughout the first season and ties beautifully back into one of the films uh, is performed in a couple of different iterations. The final iteration is performed by her. Huh. Yeah, that is her singing Blue Skies for the last time, and it's actually a very beautiful version. Yeah. I went back and kind of listened to it. Huh. I, that, I, I did not know that. That's uh, I usually try to look up a few things and... Uh... I, I missed that one. And most of these people are uh, relative unknowns, besides, obviously, Sir Patrick Stewart. They didn't get a lot of There are a lot of like, cast. oh, it's that, it's that, it's that person. Like, Michelle yeah. Hurd's been in tons of stuff. I right. would never remember her name, but I'm like, oh, that's that lady. She was on, like, season one of, like, SVU, and she was on this, and, you know, mm-hmm. and the same with Santiago Cabrera. I've seen him in a ton of things. Yeah, you'll recognize some of the faces, but, you like, you won't know who they are. Mm-hmm. So these, these definitely weren't A-list actors, which I'm not saying that they need to be. Um, but they carried it though. Yeah. They brought it. You know, that's the problem with somebody like Sir Patrick Stewart is that, you know, when you put people with him, you have to be careful because they have to be able to perform close to his level or you have a disaster. Mm-hmm. And I, there's I, an old I, actor's adage though of be the worst in the room because working with somebody better than you will mm-hmm. make you better. 
And I think that's what happened here, and I love it. You know, I'm sure that to a certain degree uh, that he elevated the game, so mm -hmm. to speak, for those around him. But they have to have the chops. You can only do that so much. And everybody here, I think, had the chops. I, I can't point to anybody who I have any problems with their acting at all. Oh, no, not at all. Oh, the other, did you know, that I came up with was this is the first official tie-in between timelines in the Kelvin and the Prime. Romulus has been destroyed in both. Uh, you know, and now we have a sort of tie-in. For the longest time, that was the big fan theory, is that this was going to be specifically for that purpose, that this is how they're going to remerge those timelines. Which I thought was so dumb. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't necessarily buy into that, uh, but I didn't think it was, I don't know, I didn't think it was that dumb, but I didn't feel that's where they were going Well, with like it. that the whole purpose of the show is the part that I thought right. was dumb. Like, they're going to address it, obviously, but it's not going to be the whole vehicle of the show, people. Yeah, I, I didn't really buy that from uh, a theoretical standpoint. That's where they're going. And obviously it wasn't where they were going. But, you know, it, it definitely did have some references. Yeah. All right. Let's just dive into the deep end with our reviews. What grade, sir, did you give this show? That was very... That accidentally came off very James T. Kirk. Yeah, no, you, you're, you're definitely channeling the, the Kirk there in your... Bill's here with us. Intro. Yes, uh, he is. He's our, he's our guest. He's just asleep because he's, <laughs> he's old. He's that's what he does now. Really old. Have you heard any flatulence? It's him. So, you know, I've expressed this before, but I have my theory of expectations. So my expectations of this was really, really high. Same. And I'm not going to say I was anywhere near disappointed, but I want to make sure that's reflected in my uh, my score because I'm going to give this a B plus. Shut up. I gave it a B plus. Too. Really? Okay. Um, now, I'm shocked. I'm really going to have to get into why I gave oh, it a B yeah. plus because it's going to be hard to point to, to specific things because this was excellent. You know, when this came on, I said all I wanted was Patrick Stewart being Picard again. That's all I want. That's all I asked for. And you got it in spades. And I got that. So I am so super happy because it gave me exactly what I wanted. And this show wasn't perfect, but honestly, it was it was in the ballpark. They did a lot of stuff right, but there are going to be some things that I'm going to point to, and I think we're just probably going to have to get into it at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, we're just going to have to as get to what into there, As to what did drag this down. Yes. So well, I'll save that, and we'll get into it. But go ahead, and you gave it a B plus. Give me your quick why. It was, again, like I had the highest of expectations. I tried to temper them. Like I tried as a human to be like, don't set your expectations so high that you're going to be crushed if this isn't good. But it didn't work. I was like a kid on Christmas morning and it didn't it didn't disappoint my expectations, but there were aspects of it that were not strong enough or distracting enough that kept it from being the A plus I wanted it to be. You know, this is one of the few shows because I do not like watching weekly shows. I will wait till they're all out and then Same. I'll binge it. Yes. Uh, this was the one show in uh, the longest time that I actually did watch it every morning that mm -hmm. it released. I I made time in my schedule. Because it would hit at like 10 something in the morning on CBS All Access. And I'm just sitting there ready to ready to go and I'm watching it. It was, you know, for I can't uh, I can't say enough how big of a deal that was for me yeah. to do that. Because, for anybody nowadays. And uh, but I did for this one. So it was super important. And I I, I really don't have much bad to say about it, but uh, we, we got to get into a few aspects. Well, here. for me, the first 
thing that is I would call it a demerit against an A plus is the pacing. It started out at breakneck speed. The first episode I had to watch twice. I watched it and then the next day I watched it again because so much happened. And then you get to the middle and there's a couple of episodes that are not boring, but they're noticeably slow paced. And then we get back up to a breakneck pace and then we have another dip in speed and then we just end on like a, oh, okay. Yeah, it, it definitely had some problems as far as how they planned that out. I guess the story arc just didn't curve as gracefully as I wanted it mm-hmm. to. Yeah, it, it seemed to me like, uh, and this is just a theory on my part, that there were constraints. They had things they wanted to cover. They tried to do it in a certain amount of time and in certain ways. And because of that, it made things come out kind of wonky. It felt a little unnatural in the the way the overall story, now not individual episodes, um, because some of those slower episodes I really enjoyed. Yeah, um, agreed. But they the way they put them together, if you watch them all, it, it, it doesn't seem to fit. It's like listening to a radio station that alternates between fast songs and slow songs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're like, oh, I'm all excited. And no, now I'm kind of now I'm kind of down. Uh, you know, they, yeah. they they definitely struggled with that. So, yeah, I got to agree with you that that it, that was something that took away from it. Although, interesting enough, like I said, I couldn't point to specific episodes. If you look at them individually, it's hard to make that claim. It's just mm-hmm. that when you look at the series. Yes, but also something that did keep it higher up in the score for me was also the story in that it fully embraced a serialized story arc. There was no one-off And because that is the huge thing for me that keeps um, Next Generation from being my 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 favorite Trek series is the episodic nature of it. I can't like I can't binge Next Generation. I can only watch like a couple episodes here and a couple episodes there because the episodic nature of the storytelling gets on my nerves to the point that it pulls me out of it and I Mm. stop enjoying it. And this was just like so engrossing in a world i guess where what really disrespected the fans in a way that we deserved and it showed in the story yes there was tons of fan service but it was all elegant fan service and it wasn't cheap fan service okay there's one exception that i'll get to later there there's one very clear exception that i was a big problem for me and this one moment kind of knocked half a letter grade off for me <laughs> but anyway i, I like, have i have a moment like that as well but like the fan service was was elegant and it was respectful and i absolutely ate it up okay uh let me ask you this uh hot take favorite episode oh geez louise you gotta pick one i have to say it's based on a moment alone because jerry ryan who plays seven of nine um, I am a fan, but I have seen less than stellar performances from Jerry Ryan in different things. So like, and that that comes from a variety of different whatever, but the episode, and I apologize, I can't remember the name, but the episode where they team up with seven and it's the end of the episode and they're parting ways. And she asks Picard about feeling human. Mm-hmm. That is one of the two best performances that I've ever witnessed in a Star Trek happened in Star Trek Picard. And that is one of them. 
I would call it the second best that exists. And that moment, it's that episode is the strongest because of that moment. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a quick uh, guy take on that. Like, you know, the one thing uh, that I do have is that I'm a dude. Um, cause you know, Jerry Ryan as seven of nine, let's face it. There's a certain amount of, Hey, we're going to put a very pretty woman in a skin tight suit. And oh yeah, and she had a whole thing underneath. She used to pass out all the time. Mm-hmm. She couldn't breathe all the way. Yeah. So, you know, there's a whole conversation that could happen there. And Hey, don't, don't get me wrong. I think Jerry Ryan's attractive. You know, no, she's, she's gorgeous. She's, she's very, very gorgeous. But if you want the guy take on it, I think she was far hotter in Picard than she ever was. Agreed. Before. And, you know, here's that she, realism and ruggedness. Exactly. She seemed much more of a person. Mm-hmm. She seemed much more of a badass. Uh, she still had her struggles. But I think that she was, interestingly enough, far more human. Oh, hot take. Could not love more that they just ditched the whole Chakotay thing. There was not a single mention mm-hmm. of Seven of Nine and Chakotay. And I was like, thank God, because you want to talk about a pairing that didn't make no damn sense. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, we're not even going to mention that. So like, well, let's need, just ignore that. We need another couple. But, you know, we kind of boxed ourselves in the corner. We don't have any new people. Yeah. Um. So, I, you know, I think that was... I loved how they handled seven of nine and Jerry Ryan, uh, fist bump to you, girl. Yes. Um, so, you know, just, yeah, that was great. Uh, so I'm going to, I'll get, I got one more for you. Uh, and then I'll, I'll answer mine. Okay. Um, you, you talked about the acting here and how everybody kept up with people like Picard. Who was the standout to you? Michelle Hurd. Okay. The, the most beautifully nuanced scene and well-performed scene that has ever occurred in a Star Trek, in my humble opinion, was the scene when she met her son in that waiting room. That was a good scene. That was that was a masterclass right there in how it's done. Of because they don't say much, especially when his wife or you know, I don't remember if they yeah they're married. They were married. Um, yeah. When his wife comes out and all of the things that they're not saying. They're trying to keep with the social pleasantries, but you can see every ounce mm-hmm. of pain in her eyes and, and how she's trying not and his and, his, and the anger in his eyes, but she's trying not to show it that right there and just her her quippiness and how she melded so well with such a presently accessible personality that still fits in the distant future, like calling people honey and Auntie Rafi's got you and, you know, always drinking like that bridged the gap between something that is accessible now and existing in that Star Trek world and that it's not all perfect. And I loved it. I will go so far to say that without that scene, that character is only half of what it is. I would agree. Because, you know, they really they they kind of made some strange choices with her at times. And without that scene to make all of that make sense, mm-hmm. you know, because she's like the conspiracy theorist, right? Yeah. You know, she comes across very much as that. She has this wild uh, conspiracy. She doesn't seem completely stable at all times. She definitely self-medicates to try mm-hmm. to get away from it all. And then here you have this wonderful scene where you see how this has taken everything from her. Her sense of duty has taken everything from her. It's taken her commission away. It's taken her family away. She's lost it all. Because she is so committed to what she feels is her duty to fix Starfleet. Mm-hmm. What she feels is this problem that, that's running through. Now, the irony of it is she's right. Yeah. At the end of it, she has proven correct. Her theory is accurate. And all of these people who left her because of that. No, I'm not 
saying that they did something wrong because it's obviously more complicated than that. Yeah. But they did leave her. They chose to say, you're crazy, uh, you're obsessed, and she was. You know, not that she didn't have flaws. But now they're going to have to be faced with this idea that she she was actually right. And she may have just saved the universe because she was right. So in a way, she sacrificed her relationships to make certain that these people had a future. The needs of the many outweighed the needs Mm -hmm. of the few. So, But without that scene, you don't have any of that. Without that scene, she's just a kooky girl who had conspiracy theories and drank too much. Yeah, and she just seems like washed up, bitter, and angry. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't lend so much depth and nuance to her character. And her character is extremely nuanced. And can still be fun, and I love it. So I'm going to go a little different. Um, I actually would pick Harry Treadaway. Yeah? Um, I think he's amazing. I think he stole so many scenes that he was in. And he took those Romulans that could have been just a a cardboard cutout. Because let's face it, the... um, Oh, I forget the actress's name. But she played the one that was implanted in Starfleet. She was like the director. Oh, the sister that was weirdly erotic? No, not the sister. um, She was the one that was the um, uh, Starfleet officer. Yeah, with the Ray-Bans. Yes. Um, so I felt like she was a cardboard cutout. Now for what she was, it was okay. She was just supposed to be this very emotionless, um, you know, Romulan Vulcan hybrid hybrid that, uh, you know, kind of fit a stereotype there. So I'm okay that that character was there, but they could have very easily fallen in the trap that that was all of them. Mm -hmm. So then you do have that weird brother sister dynamic, but I think he just stole so many scenes. Yeah. Well, and he went and he did it in a way that was like, because he could have just easily been the dick who mm-hmm. was honey, you know, it was a honey trap and that was all there was to it. But then, you know, his performance let you know that he did feel things and was very conflicted about the things that he felt and made it so much more in depth than just I followed orders and yeah, I had to sleep with you. Sorry about it. Because that's boring. No, well, he he wrote that line where he had to be involved enough to make it convincing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't be emotionless and be that seductive. And he wrote that line so perfectly, and I think it came out as performance. So for me, he stole so much of what he did. And honestly, he made the show a lot of what it was, in my opinion. But I'm, I want to roll back because I do have a favorite episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell and me. mine is, it's the Riker episode. It's the Riker on Troy. Their, on their planet. I knew that you were going to love that one. That was just, and honestly, it was the most emotional episode, I think, in many ways. The, the you know, now you do have to have that connection. You do have to understand the history there. So somebody who may not have lived through Next Generation might not be as much for him. But I thought that was just a great, um, great way to present those characters as they are in the future. Well, and I like that they, they sussed out the world enough to tell you why they're living on this rando planet Mm -hmm. because the like when he first landed there i'm like that does not fit these characters like what why is will Riker living on a in a log cabin on some random planet and then they explain it to you and you understand and then it makes perfect sense yeah no it is it's one of those moments when i thought that i'm like yeah, I actually thought it earlier. I'm like, well, why doesn't he go to somebody like Riker? That guy's got to be an admiral by now or something yeah. like that. And then you find out, oh, because life happened and it's not always great. Sometimes life happens and it didn't work out great for everybody. And here we get to see what happened with them. And it's beautiful and tragic at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. I love the storyline with, with the daughter, how she's kind of adopted the son's stories. And yeah. You know, it, well, it, and it added another level and layer to the whole underlying synthetic 
storyline when, you know, Deanna explains that he could have been saved with something synthetic, but mm-hmm. it was banned. And so we had to watch him die. No, but interestingly enough, and I'm going to get to it, this set up my biggest disappointment for the whole series it was mm. set up by my favorite episode. I didn't realize it at the time of the episode, but, but it definitely was real quick before I forget. I have to ask, I have to ask, do you think it means anything that the only name we did not hear in this entire season was Beverly Crusher? Because everybody else, even the ones that we didn't see, like, like Worf and Jordy get mentioned. Obviously there's so much going on with data. Nobody even mentions Bev. She's just like persona non grata. I don't know. And I don't know if they're setting that up for something in season two or what. You know, it does raise an interesting question. And uh, once again, when we get to my disappointments, I'm going to cover uh, what I think is a missed opportunity. Mm, okay. So, so it's kind of all linked for me, but it's definitely, it's definitely there. Okay. I do have to say that ultimately, for me, what kept it at the B plus was and you're probably not going to disagree with me the ending yeah let's get let's get let's get there because we've been going and kind of gushing here for a little bit and talking about all the good stuff interestingly enough for me this whole series probably went from an a and dropped down to the b plus for me off of the last episode alone if i'm ranking if i'm if i'm grading just the last episode based on the rest of the season like it gets like a C minus yeah, on that, story alone. They did so many things. There were, uh, you know, I have a problem with tropes. Now I know they have to exist out right. there, but there are some that really bother me. You've and just been driven into the ground. There were a couple here that really bothered me, and that man, there's just so many things I, about that last episode that just it, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't look right. And honestly, I think they just completely missed on a number of things okay well i mean full-on spoiler hello you're listening to this podcast you know but i think that the last what like 15 minutes of that episode were a cop-out to the entire season of like what did it get us that he's a synthetic now it gets us nothing except that he's not dying like you've come back we it was a possible future in the series Mm -hmm. finale of tng that he would get that whatever brain thing. They could have just ignored it. And then it was this thing pushing us through the whole first season where we know he's going to die. We know he's going to die. And then this is obviously the only way to save him. We can't come up with anything more clever. There can't be some sort of synthetic technology like what could have saved Riker and Troy's son that could save Picard instead of all of a sudden he becomes a synthetic now that can still die and still looks 90 some odd years old. Like, no. That is a cop-out. That is stupid. That made me angry. And let me tell you, I was just drunk enough to be angry, (laughs) angry by this point of the episode because I had already sobbed when he was in the room with Data and that whole thing. And I thought that was beautifully done. And then the episode ended and I was just like, I was like, I'm going to angry cry. Now, here's the problem. And, you know, Picard is one of my favorite characters ever in anything, but I wanted him to die. They set it up so beautifully to have his his death be such a and wonderful closure something. and while meaning something and being very Picard, Picard sacrificing himself to save everybody again and doing it willfully. Fantastic. They made such a wonderful ending. And by not doing that, by having the, the death, not death, it, it was a complete sellout. In my opinion, it, it would, it infuriated me. And I, 
I mean, it was difficult. It was difficult for me to even process after that. And then instead, they turn around and quote unquote killed data. After all, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, just, I mean, we already killed data, and then they had this emotional Picard death scene. And the whole time, I'm like, they're gonna bring him back in two seconds, and then they did. Yeah, or they could have. I don't know. Just obviously, they had already greenlit a season two before season one ever even premiered. They're not going to greenlight a season two if there is no Picard in Picard. Like, so I figured from the jump they weren't going to kill him. But I thought that maybe he would still be sickly and maybe something, some sort of impetus for the story of season two would be him trying to find a cure or trying to do something. I don't know where he's still potentially dying. And there's still that. It's like it's like another trope in all of the stories. It's extremely tropey. I I'm gonna call bullshit though on something that you just said because I don't agree with it. Okay. Um, so I think you can totally kill off Picard and have a season two. Oh, from a story standpoint, I totally agree with you. I mean, from like a marketing standpoint of like the mass marketing of like this is Picard and you have to have Picard's face like with it. You know what I mean? Like for the masses. I I still don't know that I agree. I think you could have made a better story by having him die and then essentially having season two be the search for Ooh, Picard. We'll have to agree to disagree on that. Okay. I I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying that it, it's Picard. How do you have Picard without Picard? The problem is I think you can still have Picard. I think they actually could have pulled off something very similar to what they did, but by stretching it out and make it very, very different. Mm-hmm. I, think, I agree. I stretching think it would have been better. You have Picard go ahead and die. You have this emotional ending and this wonderful closure. And then you have something that sets others on a journey that's based around Picard. You come up with a storyline that has something to do with something he is he did during this first season that we all missed because they didn't show it on camera. And now you have other people who are going on that journey to find it, to find out that what's really going on, and you can take, um, oh, what's the character's name? Allison Pill, sorry, Agnes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have her to where maybe they did save him, but you don't realize that till afterwards that she had this last minute idea yeah. Somehow, you know, they did the whole data thing. You just have to have that one neuron. Maybe she somehow manages to make that happen. But now you have some some form of Picard that is still alive that has now been driving the story all along. And you have that be like a season two reveal. Okay. Question about the ending, because we both clearly did not enjoy it. But did it temper your expectations or excitement for season two? It definitely tempered it. Um, I, I'm worried that uh, now that they've made such a drastic mistake that they won't they won't steer it back correctly again. I, I'm worried that that sometimes when you miss so badly that it's hard to get back into the groove. So I I, I really do. Which, okay, so this is going to lead me into the other thing. And uh, you know, I always pick weird things that I get hung up on. Right, right, right. always, always. So here's a weird one that I am super hung up on about the ending. Just infuriates me because they had not fallen into this trap the entire series until the last few minutes of the show. Riker showing up with 200 brand new ships. Okay. Okay. This is a great segue into the good, the bad, and the ugly, because let me tell you right now, that is my ugly of this season is that scene and the one of the worst performances ever. And I love Riker. And, I do too. Um, I think Jonathan Frakes is fantastic. His whatever like dumbass speech from the captain's chair of that whatever mm-hmm. i was fit it, to be tied like i lame. started laughing at my tv it was so bad mm-hmm. so bad i i here's what here's what i wanted to see they could have done something similar i wanted to see all these people who loved picard over all the years all the friends that he had made 
show up. Oh. It's a, we're all saying, fuck yeah. you, we're going to go rescue Picard. And now suddenly you have this ragtag fleet, which may be powerful in its own right, but you don't have, suddenly I'm Riker coming in, saving the day, all, you know, uh, you know. With all these ships that do nothing. Well, they show up for like yep. five minutes and then they which, leave. It was like the ending of Twilight. Yeah, which, which apparently, yeah, they're, they're making these ships and crewing them at random. And by the way, Riker, you can just have them all at school. Yeah. For as much as Starfleet fought against the whole thing, now suddenly like, did you know we actually had this fleet of 200 brand new ships that we're just going to give to you that they can just show up? No, no. I wanted to, here you show, you see all these other, and it was a, such a huge missed opportunity because what a way to work in 20 30 quick cameos yeah and and from like all of the series is this yeah no you you do you bring it in you know you have uh, uh all these unknown characters that are now captains and commanders or whatever and then you just have this quick montage of them reporting in captain laforge porting in yeah or, or reporting in i said that just uh, like a, a voice cameo even mm -hmm. like not even a face and yep. like Worf shows up in the defiant i mean he's not still at deep space nine but still he can show up in a ship have him show up in a klingon vessel yeah you know, you could do some fun stuff like that. You know, have him show up with a group of Klingon vessels where he's gone back and have a quick little line where... And then maybe one Dr. Beverly Crusher shows mm -hmm. up in a medical vessel and hello. Yep. Or, you know, or you could even have something like, honestly, here's what I wanted to see on that one. You have her standing on the bridge of a ship captained by Wesley Crusher. But Wesley went off with the Traveler. Oh, but now we have a, now we have a plot hook for a new season. Well, I mean, technically, he was at uh, Troy and Riker's wedding, and he mm -hmm. was in a uniform, but still. So, but now we have a plot hook. Everybody's like, whoa, 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 what happened here? There's a story there. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can just have a quick little, you know, little segment Tell like that. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's not, maybe, maybe it's not even a Starfleet vessel. Ooh, that'd be good. You know, maybe it's something like that, and, you know, have him standing there, and you realize it's, it's Wesley, and, you know, or actually, the better way to do that would be to have them pan to Beverly. And then say something, and then it pans over to um, Wesley, who is sitting in the captain's chair. That would be delightful. That would have been delightful. You know, you, there are so many little, like, you could have had the world's most epic Star Trek montage right there. And it would have made perfect sense and been mm -hmm. so beautiful. And, and suddenly you could have introduced, like, a dozen plot hooks at the same moment. It was the world's biggest missed opportunity. Instead, they went for a lousy trope. And it was so poorly executed. It was so mm -hmm. dumb. Like all these ships show up and then they do nothing. And I was literally sitting there thinking like, this is like the end of that Twilight movie mm -hmm. where everybody shows up and there's no fight. And then everybody just goes home. Like, what's the damn point of this? Mm -hmm. There's none. All of that being said, though, like, I don't want to temper anybody. Like, please go watch this show. It is worth it. And it is if you are not. A Trekkie, if you do not understand the world of Star Trek, there will be some Easter eggs that you will miss, and there will be some nuance that you will miss. But the story in general, you will completely understand. Uh, What's-his-face? Uh, will Wheaton talked all the time about how his wife, not a Trekkie, never watched it and watched Picard with him and loved it mm -hmm. and was totally into it and absolutely understood what was going on. It is a fantastic show. We in no way wish to discourage you from watching it. Please go watch it. You, you definitely should. Like I said, we, we both gave it a B plus and I mean, B plus is good. 
It's, it's definitely really, really good. And I, I hesitate to say what I would have given this were I not a Trekkie. I mean, obviously, I, I can't shed all of that. Yeah. But I have to recognize that the truth is, me being such a Trekkie probably actually lowered the score. I would agree with that because you're harder on the things that you love. Mm -hmm. That the, the tropiness at the end probably wouldn't have bothered me so much if it wasn't impacting so much history and such a grand universe that exists for me in my head. I would agree with that. Okay, let's cover the whole good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. Uh, my good, Jerry Ryan. In, in my humble opinion, it was her salvation in Trekdom for me because I did not particularly enjoy Seven of Nine's story arc. Through no fault of her own, through the writers, didn't care for it. And I love that that was just Jerry Ryan's salvation for me. I think there were a lot of missed opportunities um, in that whole series for Seven of Nine to have been a more interesting character because she really was. Yeah. Yeah. She she was a great character with all these interesting aspects. And I think they failed to explore too much of it mm -hmm. and just simply with, with the generic Cheeseborg. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think they really shied away from the the good stuff. Her character just didn't grow in a way. Mm -hmm. It was a very, to me, it was a very Deanna Troy. And like, here's an episode of exponential growth as a human being or half betazoid being. Mm -hmm. And then the next episode, all of that's gone. And it, there's no movement forward for seasons and seasons and seasons. Yeah. And to a certain degree, I think it took something away because it kind of played more into the trope that she's just there to look pretty. Yeah. Then we want to make an interesting character. So I think there were some missed opportunities there with her through all of Voyager. So I definitely agree that some of those aspects of this were great, which is really going to be my best. I'm going to go with the supporting cast. Because yeah. the truth is, we all know Patrick Stewart is great. Oh, he's so great. We, we don't need to be reminded of this, and we don't need to remind everybody else. This is the guy's wonderful in so many things and everything that he does. What I was worried about is, what do you pair with that? How do you play off of that? And so I got to give props to everybody who mm -hmm. acted with Patrick Stewart for just bringing it in every way that they could. Uh, you know, the the two people that really stand out to me, I mentioned Harry, Harry Treadaway mm -hmm. earlier as Ramin. He really stood out to me. Of course, I'm kind of a fan of his. If you ever watched the Penny Dreadful series, you should. I have not, but it's been recommended to me before. That is, um, if you want to see great acting in a series that has no business being that good, that's the series yeah, to go to. I'll definitely have to check that and out. He plays Victor Frankenstein and easily mm. my favorite portrayal of uh, Victor Frankenstein. I like the only thing I'd have to say about that is the guy who actually plays Frankenstein's monster in this may be like even better. Wow. I mean, you have to look at a show where Timothy Dalton is in it and he chews up scenery every time that he's uh, he's on screen and he's not even the best one in it. Oh, well. Yeah, if you haven't watched Penny Dreadful, go back and watch Penny Dreadful. But the other person that I really got to go uh, give props to is the Santiago Cabrera. Mm -hmm. Not only did he play a great character, he played several of them. Yes. And I love the way that they made them all versions of himself. The, the scene where they're all in the room arguing with mm -hmm. each other that not only was interesting from a standpoint of how did they make that scene, but the, the the acting that he showed there was just fantastic. And his accents were very good because he himself has a British accent mm -hmm. and all of them were spot on. Uh, so I loved that sequence and what they allowed him uh, to do there. It showed a range that was just, just phenomenal in an elegant way. Mm -hmm. So the, the, I'm going to give my best to the, the all of the uh, all of the the cast that supported Picard, with those two being the big standouts for me. Cool. For me, the bad, and it's a nitpick, but it's the lack of anything Deep Space Nine. The only thing we got was the nod to Quarks, 
in that one episode where they were in, uh, I was about to call it Cloud City, and that's wrong. No, I, I can't remember the name of the city. You either, know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, when they were in Space Vegas. Space. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, that's about right. That was the only, and I mean, we have this whole. Obviously, there's nothing left from original series because they've all passed on. But we have this whole character from Voyager that's in there, and it ties in, and they talk about it, and blah 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 blah. And then there's just nothing. Deep Space Nine. There's not even like a nod to an Admiral Cisco or anything, and that. I was like, dude, that's not cool. Don't yank my chain like that. There better be like, Kira and Reese better show up in season two or I'm going to be pissed. See, missed opportunity. At the last scene when the ships show up, have one of them uh, you, flashes to the, the deck and uh, there you have uh, Miles O'Brien. Oh, but Miles he's not, Edward O'Brien. But he's not a captain. He just stole a starship and showed up. Yeah, because that's something that O'Brien would do. Would absolutely have done. There, there's like he's like Captain O'Brien, and somebody's like Captain O'Brien. You're not a captain. He's like I am now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something quick like that. Yeah. You have these wonderful opportunities, which is why for me the worst. And I, I know I've already said it, but it's just the last episode. Yeah, just on the they, whole, they hit such a high mark, and then it's like they said, "Hey, Ryan." Uh, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams, why don't you come direct this last episode <laughs> and see if you can... You're never going to get over that. ...further screw up another franchise. Um, okay, maybe not quite that bad, but they, the last episode was a, a, a marked low mark for this whole series. They, they got so much right up until that point, and then they got a lot wrong all at once at the end. And I, I do wonder if it's not because they said, oh, crap, we need a season two. And it could very well be that thought crossed my mind as well and but they, they definitely punked out a little there at the end so that is easily my worst uh for me i already talked about my ugly and that's that whole scene with Riker showing up with all those ships and that stupid yeah. ass speech and all of that that's the that's the ugly for me that right there is just a wart on the ass of the face of the i don't know it was just not good yeah they definitely could have went with uh like so with, with the idea of everybody showed up on their own and that being an impetuous for Starfleet to make changes. Yeah. What was yours? Same thing? Yeah, no, that that like I said, it's the whole last episode. Same, same. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, normally this would be when I jumped into female factor, but we've talked about Star Trek before. Y'all know my opinions on that. So instead, this time, we're gonna do fuck factor because <laughs> they F bombed in this show and they have F bombed in Star Trek Discovery and people people being Star Trek fans, have very strong opinions about F-bombs in the Star Trek universe. You know, and I would like to know what you think about this, sir. How do I say this and not be rude? I could fucking care less. <laughs> you know, I mean, because we know why. I mean, these were TV shows that were put on a medium where you can't say fuck. Yeah. And then suddenly we have mediums where they can say fuck. And I don't care about cursing. I mean, there's a certain point where it's it, it, can be, it can be done wrong. Yeah, it can be gratuitous. But I don't feel like it was ever done that way. People, when they're emotional, when they're emotional, they say swear words. They they say things. They say the fucking hubris. Mm -hmm, exactly. Now I understand that Starfleet is very professional, and that maybe there's a certain point where you do and you don't swear. But if you don't think that Navy officers don't swear at times. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not in individual meetings or in certain settings, but uh, I cuss like a sailor is an expression for a reason. Exactly. So I'm okay with it. I don't. I don't care. And to the point where I didn't even notice the difference. Like when you you mentioned it just before we recorded the episode, and I had to say, "Oh yeah, you're you're right." I mean, 
you're obviously right, but I never, I didn't care. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an issue and I really didn't even yeah. notice. I, I feel exactly the same way. And I actually am rather passionate about this now that I know that it's a thing. So I watched this whole video and this guy and, you know, his opinions are super valid and he makes a bunch of truck videos and he's a cool dude and I like his videos. But he went off on a tirade about how this is supposed to be a utopian future. This is supposed to be where the world has has things figured out and people have evolved beyond and blah, blah, blah. And something in the process of humanity having evolved beyond where we are now in his thought process led to we would not need to stoop to using words like fuck and in my opinion i feel absolutely the opposite because i feel like no matter how far you evolve as a species and what utopian future you may live in 400 years from now what have you people are still going to be people and the language that we use is a form of expression and that there are going to be moments where you need and maybe it won't be the word fuck 400 years from now maybe a whole new word will exist who knows the word fuck didn't exist like 200 years ago in the same way it does now but anyway there's still going to need to be that vehement expression that says that i feel so strongly about this that i'm not going to just look at you and say the hubris mm. i need you to see in my face that this is the fucking hubris how dare you? All right, so I'm going to I'm 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 going to give you like an argumentative analysis of something that you said there. Now I realize to a certain degree I'm getting your interpretation of a video that I haven't seen. Right. But something that was said there is a very much a poor argument because you mentioned that he said that they wouldn't stoop to saying swear words in a utopian environment, but he hasn't at that point in time yet proven any concept that it is stooping at all. Exactly. He, he's taking something and giving it a negative connotation and then saying they wouldn't have it because it has a negative connotation when at the same time he hasn't proven that it inherently does. He's basing that on an opinion. It, I it, completely agree. It, it's a very much an ad hoc ad hoc argument or a non sequitur, so to speak, because he hasn't proven the basic premise, even though he throws the premise out there so lightly that it's easy to miss. Yeah. Well, and it's maybe we have shifted to a world where it has become socially acceptable to mm -hmm. use whatever words that you want, you know? Because for me, personally, if I were to describe a utopian environment, I would not describe it as being based simply off of niceties. I would describe it as being based off of honesty. Yeah. Because we don't Absolute need to candor. lose... Yeah, we don't need to lose emotion in order to understand and get along better. We need to understand our emotions better. We need to be able to embrace them and accept them in other people. Our emotions don't need to go away for that to happen. We need to be more accepting and understanding of them. So to say that saying fuck is bad when somebody is feeling that emotion mm -hmm. is to deny them that emotion. Yes, and I wholeheartedly agree. And I personally don't want to live in a utopian future where I can't say the word fucking when I need to fucking say the word fucking. Well, which is very much Picard because Picard is the guy that is all about trying to understand other people and, you know, understanding their emotion and their viewpoints and, you know, what their motivations are. That's always been Picard. So to have him continue to do that and have a deep understanding of that I think is great. I, I think it's fantastic that that's him because that is very much him. Mm -hmm. But to say that you know, people shouldn't be saying fuck in a utopian environment. Well, I, I don't think you understand what a utopia probably would look like. People aren't going to get along just because they're all nice to each other. Agreed. But I find myself wondering if you and I might possibly be in the minority on this. It would be an interesting thing to know. I don't know how you would, you know, poll the Trekkies of the world. But 
it's something that there's a lot of online backlash and there was a lot um when um there was an f-bomb in discovery in season one i think and there was a lot of backlash about that too and i wonder if we might actually be in the minority on that you know sometimes i wonder about those because we do live in an age where there can be a lot of false outrage where mm-hmm. you know a few people express an opinion and then that becomes enough of a news item that it, it snowballs it, well either it snowballs or the presentation of it makes it seem larger than what it is mm-hmm. there is an, a, a false equivalency i mean we see that in a lot of arguments you know it's the basic argument for say like climate change sure there are a few people who disagree but when you have 200 uh you know experts on one side who agree on something and then you have two on the other side those arguments are not equivalent that's the that's the the basic premise. So you know you're assuming that the other side has any sort of equality, but have we actually established that, or are these people just screaming louder? And that very well could be that these were just the people screaming the loudest. Also, I'm very sweary, and I acknowledge that, and I have no small children, and that factors into things too. I mean, I I swear, and I'm you know I've, I'm a parent. My kids aren't small anymore, but you know we've always had that viewpoint of. You know, my wife and I, we openly swear. I wouldn't say that we're the worst swears, but we've never held back. And we've never tried to keep our kids from understanding that those words exist because we were very big fans of, we don't keep things from them. We just try to explain them. Yeah. You know, we make sure they realize that, yes, that we swear, but if you swear in front of your teacher, they're not going to be okay with it. That's going to be a problem. And we try to explain why, even if sometimes we don't agree with it. Yeah. We try to explain why you, you still have, have to, to teach your kids how to navigate the world. <laughs> no, I teach my kids why they need to get a good grade in a class where the teacher is an idiot and not presenting the subject matter well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they you still need to do that, and they, even if I agree with you that yep. this teacher is an idiot, but you still need to get a good grade, and here's why. You know, you have to approach it from that standpoint. So, eh, whatever. It is what it is, and those are our opinions on Fox in Space. <laughs> Well, let's wind this down. Let's bring it to a close with our recommendations in the rec room. Um, Mine, I have to say, is actually a negative. It is a do not recommend. Okay. Um, I do not recommend CBS All Access as a platform. It is a terrible platform. If you want to watch the Star Trek, you have to have it. And I'm sorry for that because it's the only place that it is. It is a horrible application. It is prone to glitching. It freezes There were two times that I had to stop an episode like in the middle because it would stick because I didn't pay. First of all, it's kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. The one with commercials is like $6.99 a month and the one with no commercials is $9.99 a month. And there's not that much on there for those prices. No, it's a little little light on content. I'll give it that. You can watch a random CBS TV series from the middle 90s that you forgot existed. Ew, TV. That I'm pretty sure is on Hulu somewhere, but... Um, it's a shitty application and twice I had to stop an episode in the middle because I didn't pay for the one with no commercials. I went with the cheap one, Mm. right? And it would stick at the commercials and it would play a commercial break and then it would play through to the next commercial break and slingshot me back to the beginning to where I got stuck in a loop and I had to stop and come back to the episode the next day. Hmm. It's Um, a horrible application and don't waste your time. Oh, and it's missing CBS's best shows, like Big Bang Theory and their big mm-hmm. shows, not on the app. So don't waste your time. I did not have any technical difficulties with, with CBS. Whereas we, I did get the the non-commercial version. Ooh, that, you splurged. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of the advantages of being old is you can, <laughs> you can, you, you can just buy the real one. Uh, but I got to admit, there was nothing else there. I tried Discovery. I know we talked about that before. 
and um yeah i kind of eventually just noped out of that show mm. um so i got it for picard and actually i still think i need to i need to look and see if i want to keep it i think we're still oh, paying I, for I it canceled right mine i put i put in the calendar on my phone the day after the last episode of picard and i was like cancel cbs all access so i think i have what may be my uh, most elegant recommendation yet oh it's a double tie-in oh it is so you know earlier i talked about penny dreadful that you should uh-huh. watch that as a show and you definitely should because it has harry treadaway who uh-huh. was in star trek picard but did you know that there is now a penny dreadful spinoff because they did the three seasons of the I original did one. Not. so there's a new one that's out now and um the full season isn't out yet but i've watched the first couple of episodes but there's uh, penny dreadful city of angels Oh, takes Los place Angeles. in Los Angeles in the 30s. Ooh, the 30s. But you've got the tie-in with Harry Treadway from the first uh-huh. version. Guess who is in Penny Dreadful, City who, of Angels? Tell me, tell me, tell Brent me. Spiner. <gasps> Shut up. Yep, nope. With he, his glorious white hair. He, he, he yeah, absolutely. And he's like embraced it in this one. He's no longer trying to look young. He So he plays the uh, police chief. He's not a commissioner. I think he's the chief. He's an old-ass police chief. He is. So he's in the, he's not one of the main characters, but he comes up quite a bit. He's been in every episode so far. Uh, Nathan Lane is kind of one of the main characters. And I love Nathan Lane. one of my favorite roles of his so far. So definitely get out there and watch uh, Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. I will, uh, you know, I'm going to throw this out there because I had this thought. One of the other shows that were, is not out yet, so I hope we get a chance to review it, is also Mrs. America, mm. which, you know, uh, kind of covers the um, the... What is it? Second stage feminism? Is that what they refer to that as during the, sure. the, time of the Equal Rights Act? I think there's a specific um, the nomenclature fr- phrase me. that is kind of uh, determines that time period, anyway, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, of course, but it, it does it deals with feminism in the Equal Rights Act that did not actually pass. And as I'm watching this, you know, taking place in the, in the 70s, uh, all I can think of is, well, you know, hey, it's a good thing we got all that stuff sorted out. Yeah, and then you're watching the show in the 30s in LA about racial tension. I'm like, good thing we got all that sorted out. We're doing so well as a species. It's like, hmm, that's a lie. It's a little depressing to to look at it that way, but definitely watch the show. So give that thing a shot. Cool. You know, we wrapped this really fast, considering it's Star Trek, dude. (laughs) You know, it's 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 tough because we either do the deep dive and we're all here for six hours. Or we, we keep it a little light. So I think we just tried to spare all our listeners uh, from being... <laughs> Too deep a dive? Yeah, di- you know, dive down into the quagmire of all the Star Trek lore that is involved in this show. Yeah. Like, how is the Klingon homeworld spelled? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that's how you spell it. Well, let's end this fucking thing. 